Hey, 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 what is going on, Cube fam? Hope you're all doing well. It's your boy, Bez, and I'm coming at you guys with the second Cube roll here for October 14th, 2019. If you guys aren't aware of this segment, I'm just pretty much taking you through the latest current events that have happened uh, in a quick and easy format, so this way you guys can get everything you need without wasting too much time. So, let's get into it. First things first, on this beautiful Monday that we had here in the in the East Coast, uh, markets did not take any really kind of momentum from last Friday's positive news between U.S. and China into the week. Markets closed kind of flat, a little towards the negative side. Dow Jones closed down 0.11% to 26,787. S&P 500 closed down 0.14% to 2966. And the Nasdaq closed down 0.1% to 8048. So like I said, really little movement today. Um, volume was also a little low. Canada had Thanksgiving today. And Japan was also off for uh, for like their health day. Um, so as I mentioned already, if you live under a rock and you don't know, uh, on Friday, the U.S. and China agreed to like a phase one quote unquote deal in which uh, the United States will not be uh, increasing tariffs tomorrow from 25 to 30 uh, percent on uh, $250 billion worth of Chinese goods. Uh, they're working on intellectual property, but I don't really think there's anything substantial that I can say. I haven't seen any reports that came out uh, particularly re regarding that. So uh, it, they're just saying that it is being spoken about, which really doesn't tell us much. What we do know is that China has been pretty, pretty uh, firm on, on not really giving in in that, in that regard. So we'll see maybe if a phase two comes in with the uh, intellectual property. But for now, that's, that's still... Uh, too tough to be said right now. Um, one other thing that's being spoken about is that China will purchase 40 to $50 billion worth of agricultural products from the United States. So that's going to be good for the farmers. Um, and uh, as per Trump, they are immediately working on a phase two deal. So hopefully we see something like that in the future. But like I said, that momentum that we saw on Friday did not continue into this week. Um, and I think a lot of that comes because we're not really sure. We've been down this path so many times, and I, I will say that this is probably the most progress we've seen in, in the 15 months that this quote-unquote trade war has been happening, but uh, we, we see it all the time where it looks great, then it pulls back, a tweet is made, a source from China comes out, and we start from square one again. It's just this awful revolving door that just keeps picking us up and dropping us back off, picking us up and dropping us back off. So I think people and investors are pretty gun-shy right now about getting involved and caught up in that again. So they, they probably want something a little more firm, something with some signatures on it uh, before anyone jumps to any kind of uh, conclusions. But nonetheless, it is a good uh, deal for us right now. It's good news, rather. Uh, so I'll take whatever we can get. I think we can all agree there. Moving on, Wells Fargo today initiated coverage on Beyond Meat. They started them off with a market perform rating with a $125 price target. Uh, the average sell side, the price target is 152.57. Uh, right now, the shares trade at 126.31, which is well below the $240 we've seen as a high this year. Um, Wells Fargo analyst jo uh, John Baumgartner he quoted, "We see a company well positioned to grow in the nascent plant-based meat alternative space, a category strongly suited to benefit from generational change as consumers' concerns pertaining to dietary health, environmental degradation, and animal welfare increasingly drive food purchase decisions. 
That said, we think Beyond Meat's growth potential is fully discounted into current valuation and advocate waiting for increased visibility pertaining to competitive entrance and marketplace adoption before owning the name. I completely agree here. I still wouldn't touch shares even though they think it's uh, fairly valued. I would not touch it here. Uh, that's just my own two cents. Um, and uh, the team at Wells Fargo was also talking about how they're expecting a pretty substantial uh, move from, from competitors and private labels, which could uh, could hurt growth and market share. So I, I agree with that, uh, that sentiment as well. But even at, at 126... Uh, a little, a little too expensive for my taste. Moving on, TD Ameritrade got downgraded by Citigroup's William Katz. We we see a lot on CNBC. Uh, he's now bumped them to a sell from neutral and cut the price target to $27, which is the lowest the street has right now, down from $35.50, which is where it was at. Obviously, this is in response to the the commissions all pretty much going to zero now that pretty much Robinhood started. We saw Charles Schwab go to zero, TradeStation go to zero. TD Ameritrade is going to zero, and Katz said he sees another leg down as a byproduct of the commission wars that we do not yet believe is fully factored into the stock. Uh, TD Ameritrade's business model is now has greater cyclicality, and this implies that we need to reset a lower long-term price-to-earnings multiple. Pretty spot on there. I don't really see any reason why anyone would jump into these names. I don't really uh, see any kind of positive news on the horizon to be honest there's just nothing exciting there's just nothing exciting in that space right now i think there's a lot of other places people can put their money uh moving on a little more global here china auto sales fell 6.3 percent in september that headline came out today um we know that ford last week reported sales in china fell 30.3 percent to 131,000 vehicles uh their brand sales were down 37.7 percent during the quarter while lincoln brand sales were off 24.1 percent um, earlier this year, Ford sales in China fell 35.8% year-over-year in Q1 and 21.7% in Q2. So this is the worst quarter to date. And in 2018, just for a little a little background, Ford sales in China dropped 37%. And in 2017, they dropped 6%. So not only have they been struggling the last several years, the, the pace is, looks like it's getting worse. So th this is definitely not something you want to see. Um, in an effort to, and get this, in an effort to combat such a lackluster performance, Ford is planning on launching 30 new models in China over the next three years, uh, one-third of which are going to be electric vehicles. Now, I think this is interesting, and let me ask, let me say why. If you look at Ford within the United States, they, they kind of look to be doing something exactly opposite where they're leaning out their models here, and I really wonder if more is the solution. I don't know if it is. You know, based on my marketing courses, too, that I've taken throughout my life, uh, it's good to have options, but after a certain amount, too many options actually becomes overwhelming to the consumer and they look elsewhere. That is something I've seen even personally. So I wonder if that is the solution for Ford and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. One other thing that they are doing is they're going to be localizing more management, more China-based officials, China-based management in the areas to uh, to create better uh, partnerships and, and better understanding of exactly what their consumers want, which I don't know why that's being said now. I mean, that that almost seems obvious, but nonetheless, for, for some context, General Motors uh, for the same quarter reported sales fell 17.5% to 689,000 vehicles. And in totality so far, year to date, German car makers' market share in China has risen from 21.6% 20 to 23.8%. 
while Japanese automakers have seen their market share fall from 21.7% to 18.3%, and U.S. car manufacturers have seen their market share fall from 10.7% to 9.5%. So it looks like Germany's uh, getting uh, a little bit more market share there while Japan and, and U.S. fall off a little bit. Let's move on to some uh, price targets today. Uh, Nike was upgraded by analysts at, at Bank of America from underperformed to neutral. They now have a $98 price target, implying uh, 3% or so uh, upside. Planet Fitness was upgraded by analysts at Imperial Capital from an inline rating to outperform. They now have a $72.50 price target, which is roughly 20% upside. Zillinx was up, upgraded today by analysts at Nomura from uh, neutral to buy. They have a $115 price target, so that's about 19% upside. Blackstone was downgraded by analysts at Bank of America from buy to neutral. Canopy Growth was downgraded by analysts at Seaport Global Securities from a buy to a neutral. Speaking of weed, talk about just getting absolutely nailed. Another, another brutal day, uh, pretty much almost across the board. And that selling just continues over the last three to four months. It has just been crazy. So it's one of those things where you wonder where the analysts come in at the end and now they start doing their downgrades. It's like, Monday, almost like Monday morning quarterback, you know, but nonetheless, let's move on. Uh, Delta Airlines was downgraded by analysts at Stevens from an overweight to an equal weight. They now have a $57 price target, which is down from 75. So big drop there. So they're implying about 8% upside on that one. CrowdStrike is now covered by analysts at Citigroup. They have a sell rating and a $43 price target on the stock, which is implying around over 20% downside. Uh, Datadog is another recent IPO. They're being covered by analysts at Royal Bank of Canada. They set a sector perform rating uh, and a $39 price target, which implies about 8 to 10% upside. Uh, there was a lot of actually initiations on Datadog today because of the recent IPO. And uh, one of the more bullish ones was Barclays. They came out with a $45 price target, which is around 25 plus percent upside. Uh, interesting one here Netflix had its price target lowered by analysts at Morgan Stanley from $450 to $400. They still have an overweight rating on the stock, implying over 40% upside. This is a weird one. I'm not sure if, if it ever gets that price, at least anytime soon. Uh, usually they're like 12-month price targets. That would definitely be something uh, to see if it did happen, especially with Disney and Apple and everyone pretty much launching their services in the next coming months. It's going to be interesting to see how Netflix fares there. Uh, last one, Lending Club had its price target lowered by analysts at BTIG from 30 to 23. They now have a buy ring on the stock, which is almost 100% upside from the current price. So I thought that was pretty interesting. If we move on to the global uh, space, especially in emerging markets, uh, and we look at India, their uh, annual retail inflation rose to 4% last month, driven by higher food prices, which were up sharply compared to 3.2% from the previous month and higher than the 3.7% forecast by analysts. Retail food prices themselves make up nearly half of India's inflation basket, and those prices increased 5.11% in September, compared with 2.99% in August, so big jump there. Things are getting a little weird in uh, India. Things are not really going as smooth as people thought they were. Even the World Bank yesterday, on Sunday, they slashed its growth forecast for India's current fiscal year to 6%, down from 7.5%, warning that the severe slowdown could further weaken the country's stuttering financial sector. And if we take a deeper look, we'll also notice that India's unemployment rate for September came in at 7.16%, which is compared to 6.47% a year ago, and 8.2% from the previous month. And like we were just talking about with uh, auto sales, 
their passenger vehicle sales slumped 23.7% in September, marking the 11th straight month of declines. So things are getting a little patchy in India, and um, we're going to see how that how that all pans out. You know, sometimes growth comes at a cost, and it's very important that the central bank monitors it and um, and grows in a healthy manner. So we'll, we'll see what goes on there. Moving along, South Korea's central bank will likely cut its policy interest rates this week to support a slowing economic growth and weak price pressures. Uh, all but one of 31 analysts surveyed by Reuters expect the Bank of Korea to cut its seven-day repurchase rate by 25 basis points to 1.25% at its Monetary Policy Board meeting on Wednesday, which would match a record low rate not seen since late 2017 and would be the second rate in three months. So like I was talking about in the last podcast I did, some more QE for you guys nationwide, uh, country, excuse me, worldwide, what am I saying, worldwide. So uh, definitely crazy. And speaking of QE, if there's someone who knows QE, it sure as hell is Japan. But here's some different news from them. They are raising their consumption tax rate from 8 to 10%. So everyone's fleeing right now to lock in purchases. In fact, nearly 70% of Japanese households now expect to cut back on spending after this increase in the sales tax rate. And it also showed that 37% of households have front-loaded purchases ahead of this tax hike to avoid the heavier levy. So uh, this is crazy. This is crazy. And I'm really, really curious because uh, it's only a 2% increase, but 2% or often 8% is a lot, you know? And not just that, Japan believes they're going to raise uh, $46 billion a year doing this in which they want to pour into... Uh, spending it on assisting its aging population and helping out young families because they really have a uh, a very flagging and worrisome birth rate. The the whole economy there is very very interesting, and it's it's also very sensitive. You know, rates are already zero. They're they're not really seeing much inflation. You know, they're they're having trouble with employment and and lack thereof as well. So seeing this consumption tax rate increase, uh, I feel like it's going to put a lot of additional pressure on top of what's already a pretty weak consumer in Japan. So this is the news right now, guys. I hope it was nice, clean, concise for you all. Like I said, it wasn't the busiest day. It wasn't anything like, oh my goodness, this is groundbreaking news. But it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. Let me actually, before I wrap this up, I want to give you guys, because Q3 earnings season is here now. Tomorrow we have Johnson & Johnson, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Citigroups, Afria, BlackRock, United Health Group, Wells Fargo, Interactive Brokers. We have Sleep Number, United Airlines. Uh, who else we got? We got Charles Schwab posting earnings. Uh, Bank of New York Mellon, Bank of America, PNC, you know, Limelight Networks, Netflix, um, all coming over the next few days. So keep your eyes out, guys. Uh, it's going to be a very, very busy week uh, with regard to earnings. And then, you know, obviously the Fed meetings coming up in the next coming weeks, continued talks with China. There is a lot, a lot of news that could move the needle big time. So I'm expecting some volatility. Keep that on your radar, guys. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And until next time, I'll catch you all.